0: Top of the line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the That's podcast with a KPLUS.com.
1: This show will begin shortly after these messages from our advertisers. Advertising is what keeps the show alive. Your support means they'll continue to advertise, and the podcast will continue to be free.
2: This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Are you in bad pain? You know what I mean. Your knees hurt, your shoulder hurts, and your back! Oh my God, your back! They're constantly killing you! And I'm sure you've tried every pain pill or cream available at the drugstore. Am I right? Well, here is something you haven't tried. Pain Absolve. Pain Absolve is not available in any drugstore. The only way to get it is by calling today. We're so confident that it will work for you that we offer a free bottle with your purchase. No prescription needed. And best of all, each purchase comes with a money-back guarantee. Call now to find out how you can get pain absolved and get rid of your pain. Call 800 261 0783. That's 800 261 0783. 800 261 0783. Call today.
1: 800 261 0783. Are you lacking a little something between paranormal and abnormal? You need the Into the Parabnormal Store, now open at ParabnormalRadio.com. From hoodies to shirts, accessories, and our digital music library, it's all available in the Into the Parabnormal Store. Your purchase directly helps support the show. Thanks for buying from the Into the Parabnormal Store at ParabnormalRadio.com.
2: Three, two, one. There is another world that awaits far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. Somewhere between abnormal and abnormal.
1: Well, in case you uh, haven't gathered, friends, this is not an ordinary kind of show. You've gathered that if you've been listening for any amount of time. If you're new to the program, welcome. I think Extraordinary would probably be more fitting of an explanation for this kind of a show. I do often get asked about the term Parabnormal, which is a term that I created about eight years ago after... Coming to uh, the conclusion that this world is far more abnormal than we'd like to believe. Not everything's paranormal. A lot of things are abnormal. That's how we get para And that affords us the flexibility to discuss those kinds of subjects that take on a sometimes eerie feel about this time of the night. On the west coast here as the sun is setting. And we still have a little bit of daylight at this hour, but uh, pretty much everywhere except in Hawaii as we roll across from the left coast to the right coast uh, is already dark and uh, into the wee hours of the evening or the early morning hours. And that's the time of night when we do this program for you. It just adds an extra layer to it. And for our audience who is new and joining us this week for the very first time, we like to say we're somewhere between abnormal and paranormal, as it says in the theme songs from Johnny Cobb and Jerry McCoy. UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, conspiracies, and cover-ups. And that pretty much describes it best. See, I believe it is incredibly naive to believe that we are the only life forms in the universe mankind has long wondered whether or not we are alone it's certainly something that i've thought many times about and mankind has long wondered exactly that while of late We've been focused on, you know, the flesh and blood entities, such as those alleged to be from crashed UFOs. Boy, we should not forget about the other life forms that are seemingly all around us. Because this world goes beyond humans and pets and plants, you know, the things that we can see. But just because we can't see them, smell them, or even touch them, doesn't mean that they are not there on some sort of higher plane of existence. We've heard the terms interdimensional, intradimensional, multidimensional, extradimensional, extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial. Those are just some of the words that we have here, have heard over time, used to describe what we're talking about. what these terms really suggest is that an entity for lack of a better term, can exist in another plane in the universe or in another universe altogether, and that they can time travel, move out of the physical body and into a spiritual one. Seemingly, they're all around us, actually, but perhaps just on a different frequency or in a higher dimension, and they may wish to communicate with those of us in this dimension. So if beings from another place and another time, we could argue, could communicate with mankind, perhaps they would do so through ambassadors, maybe to share their revelations with humanity. Tonight we have two ladies who have stories just about what exactly I have described to help us understand what these messages from higher states of consciousness might reveal. Vivian Chauvet describes herself as a multidimensional conduit for star delegations, including the Lyrians, Syrians, Andromedians, and other interstellar groups, with 22 years of experience as a conscious interstellar voice channel and dimensional holographic healer. She's an author and public speaker, creator of the Arcturian Energy Matrix Healing and the Arcturian Healing Arts Program. Vivian, welcome into the Parabnormal.
3: Thank you so much for having me tonight, Jeremy.
1: Absolutely. So what was this awakening that you went through?
3: Well, to understand the word awakening, it's very subjective to everybody. Uh, You have to keep it into the proper context of who I am. I know you introduced me as a channeler and delegation, all of it, but who I really am in reality is that I'm a nocturne being in a hybrid human form. So my type of awakening may not be fit everybody else awakening. So part of my bio you just read is the awakening I went through, especially around 2007, 2008, is that I went into a a complete rewire um, brain changes, My all of my chakra system got shifted. So I went through the next level of embracing who I am. I had a new soul aspect coming in. So I went through a complete change that will allow me to be a much more effective um, in my work in terms of being a conscious interstellar channel, um, being a, as a nocturne being in this human form, in what I do. So my I I went through a complete change to make it very
1: simple. What what kind of a change? A complete change. A a complete change. Uh, And so uh, how did that happen?
3: It happened over a period of time where I just naturally, how can I say that, is I went through and energetic. it's going to be difficult to explain. I hope that your audience and yourself are open to that yeah, kind of ahead. discussion. Yeah, go ahead. I mean,
1: take some time. We've got some time to, to, to open up here.
3: Okay. So, people in a lifetime will go through a series of a multitude of awakenings. Each awakenings will bring a different layer of, you know, conscious connections will open up. either your faculties will deepen in your connections to... Understanding who you are, especially like the star seeds, understanding their intergalactic heritage and so forth. In my case, that particular awakening is just not the only one, but it's that one is a soul aspect left and a new soul aspect came in. And this is why I really shifted more in terms of embracing my Arcturian galactic heritage.
1: Okay. Uh, so, uh, tell us exactly uh, who are the Arcturians, because you say that you are an Arcturian being in a hybrid human form. So are you part something else?
3: What does it mean of part of something else? Well, what hybrid
1: mean? means some of this and some of that. Like when we talk about aliens, it's part alien, part human. So if if you are an Arcturian, hybrid being that means you're comprised of at least two different forms
3: my vessel my body is comprised mostly of genetic material from my Octurian intergalactic star family and an aspect of um, human genetics to bring the vessel and on this planet but what inhabited my body is at a soul level i am a soul a direct soul awareness a soul aspect of my octurn avatar self so that changes the dynamic in terms of how i perceive reality how i navigate through life how i utilize my gifts um so i am part of this world but i'm not of this world at the same time so it has a completely different synergy for me
1: gotcha so uh just trying to uh you know paint a picture here if we're talking about physical beings here that um maybe exist on what a star system is that where the the arcturians reside for the most part i mean I understand you're here on, on this plane, but there are others who are on not on Earth?
3: Have you ever heard of Arcturians, Pleiadians, Syrians, and any of the intergalactic groups before, Jeremy?
1: Absolutely.
3: Okay, well, there you go. The answer is there. So we're
1: on. Okay, come, come on, come on, Vivian. I'm not going to let you, you get away with that. I mean, my audience is pretty smart. We, we understand these topics, but there are um, some individuals who are hearing this for the first time who don't usually listen to shows about this kind of stuff. So we have to bring them along into the conversation as well and not assume th- that they know exactly what we're speaking about, if that makes sense.
3: Which is exactly why I was referring to other groups who may be more familiar, like the Syrians, for example, or the Pleiadians or the Andromedans. It's just simply another intergalactic group that we're part of this big community. This is why I was referring to them.
1: Okay. So, uh, uh, again, can you describe the, the physicalities of these, of the Arcturians?
3: You want me to physically describe what they look like? Please. Is that what you're asking me? Please. Uh yes, so we're they're really beautiful. They're emanating so much love and grace. They're very tall, very graceful, uh, humanoid-looking. No hair. Profound, beautiful eyes. We have this wonderful translucent skin that is just. Our body vibrates such a high vibrational level that they're not as solid as the human body. And they're just—it's beyond their physicality. It's what they emanate. It's they're masters of light. They're master of helping so many home worlds to heal, to ascend, to to teach. They're—they're they're incredible of uh, who they are. They're very advanced. Um, they're magnificent. In fact, Edgar Cayce, the sleeping prophet, who is well known for his uh, for his book, his knowledge, his teachings, were referring to the Arcturians quite a bit in his books and his teachings as one of the most enlightened and ancient civilizations interacting with the earth for such a long time. So I think that would be a pretty beautiful way to describe them.
1: And when you say very tall, are we talking like uh, in in human terms, like, you know, where seven feet is considered a tall human? Uh, What is considered tall in Arcturian speak?
3: On average, 15, 15 feet tall on average.
1: So about twice the size as, you know, the tallest human.
3: If you want to. It's hard to describe their day even taller, but I'm just giving you a, a point of reference. At least mm-hmm. 15 feet tall. And tell tall.
1: us about their lifetime. Do they live forever? Uh, do they reincarnate or what?
3: Returns have reached the perfection of technology where they can renew their body and live in the same body for between eight hundreds to a thousand years if we choose to, it really depends on what the soul wishes to experience. Okay. Where the soul is ready to move on to the next level of evolution. We've got to take a
1: break. We will continue with Vivian Chauvet when we continue our program right after this, A Higher State of Mind. I'm Jeremy Scott. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, and my guest here this first hour is Vivian Chauvet. Her website, InfiniteHealingFromTheStars.com. For those just joining the conversation or those who need a recap, because we've been throwing a lot of information at you in the first segment, uh, Vivian claims to be an Arcturian being uh, living in a hybrid human form. Uh, Comes from a star family uh, that is... uh, very tall, if they choose to up to fifteen feet and can live in the same body should they choose to for as long as eight hundred to a thousand years um Vivian is there anything else that you think we should know uh about the the physical uh physical nature of these beings uh before we move on? And would they appear to be uh human? I mean I, I you appear to be a human, but can Arcturians uh shapeshift I guess?
3: No, we're not shapeshifters. That's other races. We do that. We don't shapeshift we We look the way we are. We're part of what's called a type a type of humanoid looking beings. Uh, Octurians are not human beings, just like Syrians are not human beings. So we we have our own different looks. It's not about much about why we look, but much more what we do. And we're talking about a civilization that have reached enlightenment for over millions of years ago. So their teachings, their love, their wisdom is what is really the primary point here. And I would say, Jeremy, that there are many there are many people who there are Chandler, Lightworker, practitioner, healer, who are working with a vast array of amazing, enlightened intergalactic beings such as the Octurians. And when you attune to them, it's more in terms of the experience that you have with them. They're extremely loving. Um, They embody their own evolution because they're much more ancient than the human civilization is. So... We have reached a level of self-mastery, force, energy, and they understand very much, you know, how life evolves. So they're, think of them as more like guardians, you know, we're great teachers, helping a lot of, lots of other planets to evolve, to help reach enlightenment and reach your highest potential. So it's more about what we do rather than what we look like.
1: I know you told us how long you can exist in one of form. Uh, how long has this race existed in the overall scheme of things? I guess in human terms.
3: How long? And that's a great question, actually. So, how long has civilization been around? Well, just to give perspective, they have been interacting with the solar system for, on average, between three and four millions of years. So, imagine how ancient overall the Arcturian civilization is. We're talking about millions of years old. So that means that they have learned so much from their own history, evolution, changes, uh, like anything on on any planet. Life has evolved over so many millennia. So they have... They have this wonderful grace, and it's more that presence. It's the light that emanates, that is really much unique to them and cannot be mistaken for anybody else. They have such a unique presence about them. And I spoke with many people over the years who either have a nocturne guide, work with them in their healing work or in their teachings, and many people will say the same thing, is being in their presence really uplift them and invite them to be the best of who they can be.
1: More to come with Vivienne Chauvet. She's an interstellar voice channel, but she's also an Arcturian being. And we'll continue with our program, Somewhere Between Abnormal and Paranormal, Into the Parabnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott.
4: is Parabnormal News. Those who have worked for the federal government and possess material or information relating to unidentified anomalous phenomena must come forward after the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence unanimously approved legislation. It requires those with evidence of non-earthly origin or exotic UAP material to notify the director of the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office within 60 days and hand it over within six months for assessment, analysis, and inspection. The legislation states that their compliance will protect them from legal action. The director must then notify designated congressional committees and leaders within 30 days. AARO is the office running through the Department of Defense that's charged with investigating UAP. Senator Kristen Gillibrand says she has secured full funding as part of the National Defense Authorization Act. Earlier this year, she questioned senior Pentagon officials, including Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin.
5: Will you investigate why the budget request isn't being met and be part of the response? to the-
4: I, I, I will. I will. Thank you. Senator Gillibrand says, quote, with aggression from adversaries on the rise and with incidents like the Chinese spy balloon, it's critical to our national security that we have strong air domain awareness over our homeland and around U.S. forces operating overseas. End quote. George Henry, Paranormal News.
1: I was contacted by higher dimensional beings or the aliens, if you will.
2: I don't believe in higher beings.
6: I know that higher beings exist. The reason we're not aware of them is
0: because they're vibrating at a different frequency. Thousands of reports from people who claim to have had direct contact with some kind of anomalous entity.
1: We've encountered these beings and uh, perhaps we're consorting with these beings and in some way
6: conspiring with these beings. There are higher beings because of their spiritual powers.
0: They don't even need a physical body. There's
5: a common misunderstanding that, that these beings are bad because of all the movies that we've seen
2: like a trip through a time warp, around and around we go, Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott.
1: A higher consciousness, a higher intelligence, is it out there, is it within reach? Multi-dimensional conduit, Vivienne Chauvet is my guest here in this hour. It has been a a fascinating story, and uh, before the break, uh, we had learned a a bit more about them, their physical features, how long the civilization has existed, and then we we get to their presence or their aura, and and probably actually now the messages in which they would like to communicate to mankind— Emphasis on man, not necessarily the kind, especially these days. But an uplifting presence, Uh, Vivian, that is certainly something that uh, is well needed, just uh, more positive energy, which it sounds like um, the Arcturians are all about.
3: That is correct, Jeremy.
1: And so, uh, do they have other messages that they would like us to know as well?
3: In terms of messages, it's really about helping human human beings to reverse old thought systems. Just releasing yourself from that brain mind you know, worrying ways of looking at yourself and it's more an an invitation to start to detach from the mental distractions and, you know, the old structures that keeps you always in the same old emotional state and repeating the same stories. It's really an invitation about rediscovering the potential that you have that has nothing to do with your educations and school or, or what you've learned through the books and, cultural background and historical or where you grew up, those are just the stories. It's about a rediscovering of all the potential within you as a divine being of light having a human experience. It's about releasing yourself from the same old way of thinking that generates the same energies over and over again. It's, it's a huge reversal of thought system and they have multiple messages they have multiple way of teachings and presence there's just but it's you have to take the first step in terms of recognizing your own self that the word paranormal or abnormal are no longer applicable in today's consciousness there's too much movement rising people are waking up people are asking different questions Whether it's the light workers, the star seeds, people are understanding greater reality and not the reality that you've been dictating to believe in, among other things.
1: So it's, it's more normal then, I guess.
3: It's all semantics, all these words that we have attributes, energy, and connotation and meaning, all of these words are shifting, even though we would communicate. Communicating is shifting. It's starting to bring more awareness the way we communicate as opposed to utilizing our energy or faculties just to feed the same narratives. sounds just like the commercial playing, it's very heavy, it, it feel like it's it feels like emotionally down. It it's it brings you in the same level of repetition as opposed to talk about in you know, a more uplifting ways this there's nothing abnormal or supernatural anymore. It's we're reversing the semantics of those words. This is why it's called more be conscious in our quantum communicating, communications, being aware of what energy we generate when we're utilizing certain language, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, but it's abnormal to the rest of us who aren't uh, ambassadors who aren't in communication with with these beings. So you mentioned uh, communication. Uh, this, I guess, is then telepathic communication, in which you speak of.
3: No, I don't. I don't refer to. I'm. I'm referring to everyday communication, like this conversation, Jeremy.
1: No, I'm talking it's... about the con the, the the communication that you have with the Arcturians.
3: Well, that's not what I'm talking about right now. You you ask me about what messages do we have, and that's part of the message that we have. It's an invitation for human beings to even how they talk about themselves, how you relate to each other, how do you perceive yourself. When you when you said with the rest of us, it is abnormal. It is a grand illusion. This is exactly what we're talking about: is that reversal, that belief system, that you have to be an emissary in order to have access to this kind of contact. And we said, no, it is available to everyone. It's more in terms of reviewing what reality you are maintaining by your belief system every day. That's more the core of where the human evolution is going to. Everything else is just a rediscovery. But you have to have an open mind and open heart to even accept there's so much more to your reality to what you've been led to believe. That's what we're attempting to
6: express here.
1: Okay, oh, but the question that I had is how do the Arcturians communicate amongst themselves? Is it telepathic?
3: Now, I'm going to gladly answer that question. I was just finishing answering the previous question, which was very important. So how we do communicate is we don't use words or verbal communication. It's more of an advanced form of telepathic communication, yes.
1: Okay, so are you? Uh, are you? Do you have a special role uh, among the Arcturian race? Are you uh, trying to communicate on on their behalf, uh, or what?
3: To some degree, this is why I'm here. To some degree, yes, I'm simply a part of them, and I chose to be here to help, to help, to help humanity, to help the planet to finally ascend into the dimensional frequencies.
1: Okay. And uh, as far as we, we know how long the civilization has been in existence, do they have a home?
3: We do have a home a home planet. We do have a realm, which, which is located in the Boutes constellation, which is about 37 to 40 light years from here, from your solar system.
1: Okay. Do you have uh, the ability to uh, change or impact uh, events on our plane of existence here on Earth?
3: No. We can only invite you to change your own reality She so can learn from this. We have a non-interference approach
1: to evolution. So more of a spectator?
3: No. More than that. Think of it as a, more of a more than like guides who are side by side with you and reminding you of what you can do, but no one can interfere into the next level of an entire civilization. We can only inspire you to be that way. So then everything humans... else is up to you. Allow me, please, Jeremy. I'm just attempting to answer the question here. Is that okay?
1: Go ahead, Vivian.
3: Okay. Thank you. Very kind of you. So what we are saying is that for a long, long time we have been providing a numerous amount of teachings and guidance to guide you in that duration. But it's up to you to choose to accept it or reject it. And then you will simply continue to evolve in the same vein of evolution you've been on for a long time. It's really up to you, ultimately.
1: Okay. Um, Okay. So... What is your role in this whole chain of command?
3: We don't have a chain of command, so I'm not sure I understand your question. Can you clarify for me, please?
1: Well, I believe you claim to be an ambassador of, of some sort, and so that's really what I was referring to is the role more than the chain of command. Maybe chain of command was not the right word. What is your role?
3: i have many roles i help to connect other delegations think of it as i i'm a bridge of intercommunications i will connect with i work with other delegations like um, with the andromedans for example i work with the high consulate syrian i work with um, other groups like this and then here on the on the earth i really help to help people heal expand reach their new level of awareness help to understand who they are so I'm more like um, a point of contact, a delegate, uh, a word ambassador. It's very much meaning in terms of being a bridge between different form of intelligence and teachings and being able to bring these teachings here.
1: Did the Arcturians at one point meet with uh, a presidential administration?
3: I'm not an historian, so I have no regulation in that point. What I know for sure is that we prefer to approach directly the populations, um, and more working with directly hands-on with people who already have a certain um, opening for this and predominance for, you know, being want to be a light workers, being of service to the light. So we prefer to work directly with people from all over the world.
1: So I don't think that we got an answer there. You, th- that's a no, or you're, or you're not sure if the Arcturian race has met with a presidential administration.
3: What well, I am telling you, for what I know, I just answered a question quite cre- clearly, Jeremy. Is we work directly with a multitude of point of contact. We work with people on the planet who are light workers. This is who we work with.
1: So uh, you you didn't meet with the Eisenhower administration.
3: As a fan, I just answered a question very clearly. Can we move on, please?
1: We absolutely can. We'll be back. Into the Paranormal
6: There's a parallel universe
2: Intelligent life out there. Well, they'd probably be listening to this show. You're in
1: good company. Into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Somewhere between abnormal and paranormal across the USA. So good to have you with us. Program tonight: higher state of mind. What we're really talking about is uh, a higher intelligence. It so appears. My next guest in 1996 during an out-of-body experience says she was reconnected and attuned to a group of interdimensional light beings serving as their scribe now for over 25 years and in the process passing along their transmissions to mankind. Her name is Patricia Corey and her work uh, covers 14 books uh, over those 25 years, her latest, uh, which is due out later this year, is the new Syrian Revelations, Galactic Prophecies from the Sixth Dimension. Patricia, welcome to the program. Actually, let me do this. Uh, welcome now to the program.
6: Okay, thanks again.
1: I'm so yeah. uh, It's one of those nights. Um, so tell us about how this all started for you. Was it with the out-of-body experience?
6: Well, okay, I have been a clairvoyant since childhood and grew up with this faculty. So uh, throughout my life, I've had a lot of very powerful experience. And as a child, I used to speak to, and like a lot of children, I used to speak to these beings that I used to call the little blue people. And my mom would, would tell me later that I used to come in to her and talk to her about intergalactic, extra-dimensional of uh, simultaneous reality, things like that terminology that we use today that, you know, wasn't available back when I was a child because I'm no spring chicken, they say. And uh, so already at four or five years old, I was, let's say, having contact. And fortunately, I had a mother who, instead of saying, you're just imagining it, said, all right, you know, go with it. Just, just let's keep this between you and me. <laughs> and she allowed me to uh, explore that aspect. But in 1996, I went to England. I was doing a course. I was a he- I am a healer, and I had a healing center in Rome, Italy, where I lived. And I went to England to take a course in uh, at a college in advanced color therapy. And um, one night in the college, I dreamt that I was flying over Stonehenge and that I looked down and I saw this huge spiral, huge, much, much bigger than Stonehenge in the neighboring field. It was 4 a.m. in the morning and I heard a voice say, this is a lock on point for interdimensional contact and it's going to be important to you. Now wake up and I woke up with a jolt and i jotted i jotted i grabbed a little notepad and which i always have by the bed and jotted down what i had seen and <clears throat> when i shared that with the people in, the next day at breakfast there was kind of a a buzz about it of course because we're a bunch of spiritualists <laughs> and uh, that weekend we went to glastonbury which is avalon and on the wall in a bookstore was the identical to the T vision that I had seen. Stonehenge and this huge spiral in the field next to it. So when I, rather shocked, asked the storekeeper what it was, she said, that's the new crop circle. It came down on July 7th. And I said, what's a crop circle? So this was back in, like I said, in 1996, and I, I I knew a little bit about crop circles, but I didn't I didn't understand what they were. I thought they were supposed burn marks from craft, like we heard out of Russia way back. Um, when she described it, she said, "Obviously, you've been called. You better do what you can to get into it." And a whole series of events occurred, where finally, when the professor at one of the professors at the college heard about my experience, he said. You're really here to get into that crop circle, and I'm going to take you so I got in and it was i have to say in the entirety of the crop circle phenomenon, which is ongoing and I've been in hundreds of them. I went every year uh until two years until the covid I went every year, but that was the one that was the immense experience and what happened is when he took me there i I asked him if I could be alone and I walked off and I felt as if some force was pulling me by the by the by the neck and dragging me, not not dragging me, but pulling me toward this formation. And I got in, and as soon as I got in, I fell into one of the 151 circles that comprise this extraordinary spiral of crushed or flattened wheat. I fell in, I started to spin out. I felt like I was going to be sick actually. And I was spinning just crazy, crazy spinning. And I looked down at a certain point, I could not see my feet. And uh, this sensation of spinning, this very high pitched music sound um, and watching myself disintegrate, I, I just disappeared. But it was the weirdest experience because I, was, I thought I was in conscious reality mode, whatever that is, and yet I was watching my body disappear from the feet up. And then poof, I was out on an astral journey, or I guess that's what I could describe it, and taken out to see things that, to travel the universe. I was on galaxy watch. I could see the strings of the DNA of the universe. And I was brought into contact with a collective of high, very high energy beings that presented themselves to me as the Syrian High Council. And from that day on, I've been serving as their scribe.
1: Which basically means uh, transferring uh, their communications uh, into language that we can understand.
6: Yes. And putting them and bringing them into book form so that, you know, at first, when I first got back from England, I would sit at the computer and it was just pouring out of me like automatic writing. And I don't like that. Personally, I am not big on mediumship. I uh, would never allow anything to come into me and I scrutinize whatever I'm picking up energetically from the ethers, let's say. But this was extremely high energy. Uh, brilliant, brilliant beings. And they were using me, yes, as a go between, as a transmitter for information they deem very urgent for the human race. And so it started uh, that when I got back in July, at the end of July 1996. And to this day, I'm still serving in that capacity. So it's almost
1: like you tapped into a vortex or something of the kind out in the middle of the crop circles.
6: Yeah, I call the crop circles temporary um, temples. And not all of them have, well, I've never been in another one that had the incredible strength of that one. But I I do believe that some of them are man-made, some of them are poorly made, and some of them are uh, human attempt to create something extraordinary. But by and large, the phenomenon of crop circles in all their majesty to this day, is an enigma. And the exciting thing is that you've got people like me feeling the energy. You've got scientists in there measuring the energy. And uh, it's just just been an extraordinary opportunity for us to experience something otherworldly that is presenting itself year after year after year in England and in other places around the world.
1: So did you ever get a confirmation about where it is that you went uh, during your out-of-body experience?
6: I experienced the physical universe first. So I was, or let's say the galaxy, our galaxy, and I was flying through, um, seeing planets, seeing stars, which I understood to be the galaxy, Milky Way galaxy. But then i was I was in such an altered state. I was experiencing other dimensions, other realities that that didn't resemble anything I could have even imagined. And uh, I know that I was being attuned to be able to pick up and receive information and energy from dimensions beyond the third dimensional universe,
1: okay. so that brings up one of the questions I had. you say beyond. The third, and and in your book, uh, you mentioned the sixth dimension. I believe you also talk about the fourth dimension. Uh, So, how many dimensions are there, and do these beings uh, go back and forth between them?
6: You know, it's an interesting question because people are trying to to uh, state exactly how many dimensions there are. Michio Kaku, who is considered the one of the fathers of the string theory. Uh, and called the new Einstein, said that there are 11 dimensions. And it makes me laugh because (laughs) it's like, how do we know that? How do you know that there are 11 dimensions? Yeah, have we been to
1: all of those and documented them all?
6: (laughs) Exactly. and A lot of people uh, link certain dimensions to certain star beings. For example, the Pleiadians are considered five-dimensional, the Syrians are six-dimensional, the Arcturians are seven-dimensional, and so on. And I can't validate any of that. I I believe that that it's infinite, that we have yet to even be able to imagine what is beyond the fourth dimension. I think that we're slipping into the fourth dimension now, which is one of the uh, things I propose in the book. Because in the fourth dimension, time mutates and fades away. And that's what's happening to us now. People. And, and, the, and the council said you're going to not understand that you're in the fourth dimension because it's going to resemble the third in many ways. And if you think about it, I don't know anyone who isn't feeling the mutation of time, the speeding up of time, the weirdness of time. It's like Groundhog Day. Every day it seems I wake up and it's Friday again. A <laughs> whole week has passed. I'm like, where? Or it's Monday t- <laughs> morning
1: and you're like, where'd the weekend go? Exactly.
6: (laughs) And actually, I I do believe that it's it's a representation of this shift from third to four D. And one thing that's very interesting is in the book, the Council say. All of the karma, your own karma, your personal karma and the karma of every civilization that ever existed on planet Earth will be manifested in the fourth dimension. So you're going to be experiencing all of the negative and all of the positive karma of everything. And you're going to be like tossed into a, a whirlpool before you come out the other side. And I think that's extremely interesting because, you know, the book was originally this book was originally published in 2018 and, and is now being republished because it's a really classic piece of Information. And it's um, manifesting in the chaotic shift in civilization and society that we're wading through now.
1: All right. And we'll continue to wade through that with my guest, Patricia Corey, author of The New Syrian Revelations: Galactic Prophecies from the Sixth Dimension. Her website, patriciacorey.com. We'll be right back.
2: Into the paranormal.
1: We're talking with Patricia Corey on Into the Parabnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. So, Patricia, uh, you were talking about this chaotic shift in society, and I'm wondering then were there prophetic messages from the Syrian High Council uh, that warned of these days, and if so, going uh, how far back?
6: Well, actually, the, even from the beginning, the first book was called The Cosmos of Soul. And even from there, we were, let's say not warned, but they were presenting to us the evolutionary, revolutionary plan that was underway on, on, energetically on our planet. But in the Syrian revelations, the new Syrian revelations, which, as I said, first came out in 2018, they spelled it out very precisely as to this period of time, this shift from third to fourth. We've got the shift into the age of Aquarius. We've got solar flares. We've got galactic shifting going on. And they described this as our sun, not only Earth, but our sun shifting into the fourth dimension. And that would mean that all of the planets in our solar system are shifting into the fourth dimension. So this is a huge process. It's a galactic uh, process specific to our solar system, but not limited to, obviously. If you've got a whole star system that is shifting dimensions, it's going to be felt and rippled across uh, many dimensions and um, great Distances, if you can call it distances, in the universe. And I, I would like to also mention here that there's a growing um, belief system that there is no universe, there there are no planets, the Earth is flat, etc. And I, um, while I believe there's definitely a sense that we're in some sort of simulation, my experience, and that's not to say that you know I'm right or wrong, but my experience is there is indeed. A greater universe and a multidimensional universe.
1: Yeah, and as far as uh, the the Syrian race, do they view humans uh, in a certain way?
6: Right. So you know about the great experiment, the seeding of humans of Homo sapiens. Yes. All right. So the Syrians bring forward that information from the beginning of my work with them, that we are uh, star-seeded beings that were the result of, of, a, of a seeding of many species, 12 exactly, of, 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 of other species from beyond this planet. And we were nested in the Earth to take hold here as a species of Christed beings with 12 strands of DNA activated. And that there was interference. This is a whole um, theory that has been also elaborated by other people, including um, Zachariah Sitchin, who has a different take on it than the Syrians presented to me, but not, not that dissimilar. And that, that we were interfered with and uh, electronically, to be honest. And that brought us down, that disrupted the 12-stranded DNA, brought us down to two strands. So they perceive us in a way as being related to them because they were involved in that experience, that experiment, and therefore they feel connected to us in a, with a sense of karmic responsibility, which is very interesting because that lends the question, what is the karmic responsibility at this time on planet Earth for the karmic decisions that are being made in laboratories with animals and with cloning and with all of these other aberrations of the natural DNA.
1: We're at our bottom of the hour break, but we shall continue for another half hour with Patricia Corey. I'm Jeremy Scott into the Parabnormal. We'll be back after the news with George Henry.
4: Parabnormal News. Do we have it all wrong when it comes to the paranormal and conspiracy theories? A study of undergraduate students in Switzerland looked into the brain seeking and finding patterns that do not actually exist, something known as apophenia. Researchers examined how our brains actively seek structure and meaning, which often leads to the recognition of patterns that are not objectively present. And if it might be related to a tendency to endorse beliefs that are not supported by evidence, they propose that psychological mechanisms behind the perception of non-existent patterns might be the same mechanisms that make one endorse beliefs without evidence. Results reveal that those who reported an object in pictures that did not exist or believe in the paranormal were more likely to endorse specifically COVID-19 conspiracy theories. However, the authors say that studies of different populations with larger numbers of stimuli might not yield the same results. George Henry, Paranormal News.
1: A fascinating conversation we're having tonight with Patricia Corey on Into the Parabnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. want to welcome our newest affiliate listening to the program up in Fairbanks, Alaska, KFAR, 660 AM and 97.5 FM, joining the Into the Parabnormal family. Hello, Fairbanks and surrounding area. It's good to have you with us on Into the Parabnormal. All right, back to our conversation with uh, Patricia Corey, really getting in-depth with some of the communications, uh, what what she's been told by the Syrian High Council, um, talking actually right before the break uh, about what seems like some secret uh, experiments going on involving uh, cloning and the kind. So please continue.
6: Well, we know that they're cloning. I mean, back when I first came out with Cosmos of Soul, the book talked about the fact that, uh, talked about uh, the cloning of Dolly, the ewe, the sheep, and that it was secret at that time, but they were bringing it out. And now I think that your average person who is minimally awake, which I guess isn't an average person, uh, knows and (laughs) understands... That there are cloning laboratories all over the world and that, you know, as, as incredible as that sounds, we shouldn't be that surprised that our geneticists have been playing with this forever. We have artificial wombs coming up. We have uh, synthetic beings, robotic beings, and the, the Syrians really warn us about AI and technology in that book. And it, the warning is is very loud and clear that if we do not get a handle on the geneticists and their intent now to merge us with AI, that we are at risk of seeing our civilization, or at least our species, disappear in okay, the well, sixth extent.
1: Pardon the interruption, but uh, would d- w- if it were to come to that point where we were on the edge of annihilation from artificial intelligence would the syrians intervene or perhaps maybe they've already done so
6: well they did intervene back when the seeding of our of homo sapiens took place on this planet so they when people say we can't ask aliens to come in and help us we've got to do this ourselves, which is one of the things that i put forward we need to remember that these are not alien beings, they're consciousness on another dimension. And I do believe they're helping. And I, I do believe that what we're going to see is now that we are interfering beyond our planet, the law of non-interventionism that was presented us way back with Star Trek, I'm sure you remember. Oh yeah. That uh the law that law of non-interventionism does not hold if we are interfering, be or altering or destroying anything, or pose a risk to any life outside this planet. We do pose that risk, and when I say we, I'm actually talking about the military industrial complex, not us humans, um, at least not all of us. And so, yeah, the gates are open now, and I do believe that we are going, we are in the process of seeing emerging with other beings from other dimensions and other planets. And they may not all be light beings. So it feels like there's a war going on on other levels besides the war that we're seeing evolve on this planet. And, of course, according to the Syrians, according to so many light beings that channels have brought through, like the Pleiadians and the Arcturians, uh, the light has this. So I feel that we're in this moment of immense spiritual struggle armageddon if you will and that we have to get through this and get on beyond it into the onto the horizon where the light shines bright so i think that we're in a difficult period but we're passing through it and that yes we have not only beings observing but assisting and bear in mind also that the government is absolutely creating a Um, delivery of information about ufos and life beyond the planet that seems to me to be a contrived disclosure program but i think that very soon now we're going to be faced with that reality the et reality And, and like i said there will be light and dark because anything that's a third dimensional being has the aspect of light and dark with it so if we've got beings coming in from other planets. There's a there's a spectrum of energy that they could represent, and then the higher beings on the higher dimensions are lighter and lighter as they as as they go up in the dimensions.
1: So you mentioned that not all of these are light beings. Uh, you know, these interdimensional beings that we uh, re- have been referring to the different races tonight, but uh, and perhaps uh, specific to the Syrian uh, to the Syrians, uh, do they appear in different forms?
6: The beings that I work with are non-physical beings. They're light beings. And they appear when I am blessed with them actually appearing. They're just like these enormous spheres of light. Other people believe that the Syrians are um, cat-like beings represented, for example, in Egypt with the goddess Sekhmet, the, the lion goddess. Some believe they're aquatic beings. Like the nomo that were presented to the um, the Dogon tribes in West Africa, have you heard of that? No, tell us. So th- the elders of the Dogon tribes described uh, to our uh, astronomers, scientists, how they were visited by a craft that landed threw out a lake being stepped out of the craft that looked like half fish, half humans, and swam across the lake up and then came up to them, walked out of the lake and started to talk to them about they were from Sirius. They told them about the Sirius, Sirius being a three star system. And this was not known to astronomers at that time. I don't remember what year it was. But this myth that was carried forward by the elders turned out to be absolutely correct, that there was a Sirius B, which was a star that supposedly uh, went supernova. And the scientists and astronomers discovered that after the talk with the elders. Excuse me. And that there's also a third star, Sirius C. So that was spelled out to our scientific community, years before they discovered it. And they discovered it because they found a wobble in Sirius A, which is still in the third dimension, and they recognized that this was a gravitational interaction with a a burned-out star. And what the Syrians say is that that star isn't burned out, it's simply ascended out of the third dimension. So what what was left in the third dimension and which is interfering or interacting with Sirius A is the skeleton of the star in a metaphorical sense and that the soul of the star has moved on and is now residing in the sixth dimension. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So as far as these non-physical light beings they they reside in the Sirius star system,
6: the Sirius B star, which is no longer in third dimension. They are resonant to that field, and all of it exists in the sixth dimension.
1: Okay, uh, so who makes up the the Syrian High Council?
6: They describe themselves as a collective of brace yourself. Of uh, higher dimensional beings that also include some Pleiadians, uh, scholars, uh, historians, uh, highly developed souls, and even uh, spirit essence, soul essence of whales and dolphins.
1: So whales and dolphins have souls is what you're telling us.
6: Yeah, don't you believe that?
1: I I do. I have. I to think. Say I this. think all animals have souls. Actually,
6: absolutely. You know, when you when you hear somebody like the Pope or or some other representation of authority on the planet say that animals do not cold and dry don't have souls, I'm like obviously they've never looked into the eyes of a doe or a dog or or swum with dolphins. You can feel this immense energy and intellect and wisdom and and just. I've swum with two hundred and fifty dolphins in the wild, and I can tell you, you can feel the collective soul like, like nothing you've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that all all life has a soul to it. The nature of creation is that connection to source.
1: Do these light beings have an uh, an individual name besides just the the collective name?
6: Yes, I've had a couple of names come to me, which I'd rather not discuss, because I don't want to commercialize the connection. But I can say that one, the one that is most representative in my experience is the name is Qatar.
1: Okay, and uh, do we get a sense of how many of these beings there are?
6: In the group that speaks with me, there are three primary speakers. On the speaker, uh, on the Syrian High Council, in general, or say, let's say, the greater body of that is 144 energy beings.
1: Okay, and uh, you are in communication with them then on some level.
6: Yes, 25 years, I'm still in communication with the Syrian High Council. And uh, uh, quite, is
1: this is this?
6: this oh, go ahead. No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. It, it's quite a journey that. You know, nowadays there are all kinds of people declaring that they're channeling, but I've been at this for twenty-five years now, and uh, the wisdom that they've brought through has pretty much all been proven. Prophecies have come to pass, and uh, still, still the wisdom keeps pouring through. So I'm so honored to work in that capacity.
1: Uh, is this communication telepathic?
6: Absolutely. There's a sense when I sit down to do this channeling, there's a sense that I'm being geared up energetically to hit a level and they're coming down energetically to find a meeting place where uh, our energies can, can link up and connect.
1: And so is this uh, automatic writing where you basically have this pop into your head and you, and you scribble it down? Or do you get like download experiences or maybe both?
6: It's both. Sometimes there was one time I was shown an image. I sat down to, to work and I, all of a sudden it was like I was in a movie theater and I was seeing uh, the DNA strands, the multiplication of DNA, I was seeing this complexity, geometric design of, of higher dimensional DNA. And uh, I saw it all around me. It was like a multi-dimensional, <laughs> multi-screen process. And then boom, after I was shown it, I was capable of writing about it. And I started to hear the information but you know if you talk to anybody who talks about channeling they'll usually tell you no it's not just a voice coming into my head and me automatically writing there's a union it's a sometimes it feels like bubbles of of thought that i then dissect and 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 write down i use the computer not a pen and other times i i do hear speakers telling me um You know, to the average person, this probably sounds insane, (laughs) but uh, I do hear a voice, a voice, the primary voice is Qatar, uh, explaining such complexity that then turns out to be scientifically validated later on.
1: Well, as complex as it is, you're doing a heck of a job uh, uh, breaking it down to the molecular level, so I appreciate that, Patricia. Uh, We'll continue our conversation. In fact, time is not on our side, so that means we'll have to wrap up our conversation when we come back with Patricia, author of The New Syrian Revelations, Galactic Prophecies from the Sixth Dimension, and many other books. We'll be right back. Into the
0: Paranormal.
2: we have a message for you dial into the pair of normal from the u.s. and canada at 503-506-0396 or reach us
1: internationally
2: on skype at
1: itp51 i think sheen but you gotta act uh, in a hurry or you can uh, send it in on our facebook group chat because we only have a few minutes left with uh, Patricia Corey, uh, but uh, focusing on the messaging, because it does sound like these are complex messages. Uh, can you give us some examples then of the of you know these messages that then have been scientifically validated, as you said?
6: Well, from early on in the Cosmos of Soul and the second book, Atlantis Rising, they described. For example, HARP, which was barely uh, known to anyone. They described chemtrails and what was happening to our atmosphere. They uh, talked about genetic manipulation. Again, we're talking about 25 years ago. So uh, they talked about the evolution of cloning. um, And those are the warnings, let's say, that were presented. But they also spoke of the incredible uh, diversity of life throughout the galaxy, throughout the universe, the many dimensions, the interface between the evolving homo sapien multidimensional consciousness with other realms. And so what can, I can say can be proven is the constant discussion of AI and the evolution of AI. I mean, I was bringing through the Syrians before we had cell phones. So that'll give you an idea. Of the expanse of it, and they—they were—they were and are always very concerned about the evolution of, and the forced evolution of technology via the cell phone, and then the the advancement from the cell phone and the computer to um, other aspects, radio waves and uh, EMF waves, et cetera, being utilized to affect mind control, to affect personality to affect actually the 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 way the human race responds to control so a lot of what they've presented us they've talked about the shifting of ages etc but so much of it has come to pass and become a part of our soup let's call it that we are dealing with now Okay. and Two things yeah. that I want to
1: ask, uh, and we probably don't have a, a lot of time to get into either, uh, so I'll ask them both, and maybe you can pair that up into, uh, I, I guess, your your final comments tonight. Uh, do the do the Syrians uh, have anything to say about UFO disclosure and uh, anything about the COVID pandemic or future pandemics? They
6: have said that we will experience in our lifetimes, we will experience a rival and that it's not going to be uh, necessarily an invasion type of situation, but that we will be receiving beings from the galactic, let's call it the galactic federation of civilized, evolved planetary beings and that their presence when they make themselves known to us is not just going to be we're here to save you or we're here to uh, and welcome you into the, the the body of civilized planets. There's going to be a sense of hard love. That's what they they call it, tough love. Where we are going to be shown, okay, your planet is in a state of immense disharmony, and we are here to assist in that mutation, alteration. The mutation is not the right word. The um, improvement. Let's do. Let's use that word of uh how you act with each other the ending of war the ending of destruction oops i hear music
1: yeah that means unfortunately we're out of time but uh, i so appreciate our conversation uh, patricia we're we're going to have you back here in short order uh if you're if you're welcome to do so because i know you've got another uh book that's out uh, which is just as fascinating as the subjects we've discussed tonight. So uh, hopefully this is not the last time we talked, but it was a very fascinating conversation.
6: Thank you. I'm sorry I ended it midstream, but thank you for the wonderful interaction. and,
1: uh, and That's uh, Patricia Corey, and I'm Jeremy Scott from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. Good night. God bless. Talk to you tomorrow night. Thank you for supporting our advertisers. It keeps the show free for everyone.
5: This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How do you like to learn the secret to losing three to five pounds a week without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? It's called Body Sculpt Rx. For the last two decades, we've helped countless people lose thousands of pounds, and now... It's your turn. Learn how to lose weight with one simple phone call and no prescription needed. You'll see an amazing difference in a matter of days. Don't believe us? We'll offer you a risk-free money-back guarantee. So if you're ready to start losing weight, call right now and get a free month supply with your first order of Body Sculpt RX. Call now. You have nothing to lose but the pounds. 800-395-4207. 800-395-4207. That's 800-395-4207.
1: You've heard me talking about My Patriot Supply for a while and things aren't getting any easier. From global conflicts and unstable supply chains, when shelves run on empty, you don't have to panic. Choose Peace of Mind with their three-month emergency food supply to keep your shelves and your stomach full. In an emergency, you won't have the time, resources, and ingredients to prepare your meals in the way you're used to. But you can get a leg up with my Patreon supply. It's a three-month emergency food supply. You don't have to skimp. It's ready when you are. It's disaster-proof. And no food boredom here. Twenty plus flavorful food and drink varieties. My Patriot Supply is offering a special deal for into the paranormal listeners. When you go to paranormalradio.com/slash-food, get your My Patriot Supply today from paranormalradio.com/slash-food. That's paranormalradio.com/slash-food.